Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker, your, I guess, one and only host, because I actually am the only host. It's fine. I'm not lonely. It's totally chill. Hope you guys are doing great. I am super excited to see the sun out today on the East Coast. It's been a very long time. We have our last block of ice melting in the backyard. So I put my girls on cardboard boxes and push them down it to let them pretend to sled for a little longer. Super excited about today's interview. Today, I interviewed Jonah Batumze. And I hopefully, I think I got that right. Jonah Batumze. He is the founder of the Blending Project. And the Blending Project aims to normalize Black and South Asian relationships while dismantling anti-Blackness within both of the communities. They create experiences that inspire solidarity and help unite our communities. And I could not think of a better time to talk to him about this. We talk about his own experience marrying into a South Asian family. We talk about how they met in Dublin and how that was kind of my fantasy. And, you know, of course, we end with a discussion on Michael Jordan, because why not? I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Jonah Batamze. Um, I actually, we just, not just, I guess, but we moved to Connecticut last summer. Okay. From where? So we've been hopping around. Uh, The last stint was in Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. Wow. Shockingly amazing and fun. Never thought I would say that. Uh, Before that, we were in Dallas. Before that, we were in Dubai. And before that, we were in India. So we've done like... We've jumped around. This is our sixth move um, since we got married for my husband's job. Nice. What does he do? Uh, he works for Pepsi. Okay, cool. It's been it's been fun. It's been awesome. Gotcha. But it's nice, you know, like even your your comments and like your feel for Arkansas. Like, imagine, you know, you'd be saying Arkansas, but like you know, it's Arkansas. So you're, you know, you've had that experience. And I will tell you, Jonah. Like, it's it's pronounced Jonah, right? Yes, Jonah. Yes, I don't. Right. I don't want to botch this because I'm Indian and people botch my name all the time. Batamboos, Batamboos, Batumzi, Batums. I knew I'd screw it up. Yeah, it's easy. Batums, just Batumzi. Just, just let it roll off your tongue. Yeah, it's much smoother than I'm letting it be. Batumzi. Cool. Perfect. Batum, Batamboozy. People say all the time. Or I mean, just they just. And what is your Thakar? It's Ami Tucker. So hence the tuckered out. With Ami Tucker, it's yeah, a little yeah. play on the yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I got it. I'm yeah, funny. Yeah. It happens. I got um, it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So we just moved you. And what about yourself? Are you you in the UK? Yes. Um. Our our we're an hour outside of London, place called Peterborough. It is uh yeah, 50 minutes direct into King's Cross, which is uh is like a hub, a train hub uh, in London. Um. So, and it's about I'd say two hours from Oxford and like about an hour to Cambridge. Countryside-ish. I mean, I know everyone's accents nowadays are, days are kind of like blended, but you sound American. <laughs> Good. Okay. I assumed you were. Good. Uh, yeah, born in Chicago. Yes. Hey, I went to law school there. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, so should I tell you my story now? Or are, we ta- are, we li- are we recording? I, or- I always press record right at the beginning because just uh, you, you've done a podcast, I think, so you know. Um, I have, yeah. Talk, yeah. I'm, it's, all, it's casual. Uh, and then there's editing to make a sound good. Don't worry about it. 
Cool. So I am. Um, so my parents are from. My family is from Uganda. Um, so both my parents are from Uganda, um, and they fled in '75 because of Amin. And my father was a cardiologist, and um, he had the opportunity to, to study at Northwestern, or he met he met a he met a person who was at Northwestern, and basically that person helped them to get out of the country. Um, so I subsequently was then born in Chicago. Um, and my father then went to like open his own practice. So we moved outside of Chicago to, uh, central Illinois. It's a place called Bloomington Normal. It is, uh, exactly between Chicago and St. Louis. And how was that? Cornfields. Cornfields. I mean, probably let's call it 150,000, um, probably about 80% white, very conservative. You've been in Illinois, so you know, kind of, um, uh, somewhat the people, um, uh, but it was great. It was great. Like I played um, basketball. I was um, like the basketball star. So I was telling some of this the other day, like, so even though I was one of the rare, like black or African um, people in the town, like being good at basketball, like it made me less black of that. Do you know what I mean? It kind of, it, it, it just made that whole negative um, connotations around it. Just um, like, kind of like, disappear but bloomington normal as a community is a um uh it's kind of a bubble let's call it a bubble place they're like universe there's illinois state universities there which is about twenty thousand. wesleyan's there um state farm uh, insurance headquarters are there um so and mitsubishi has headquarters there so um it very much was a kind of middle class type environment even if you weren't middle class like you things were still good you know things were still cool so right. clean place, good education, everything like that. So what was your family's experience there overall? Like your parents, do you have siblings? Was it a positive experience? Yeah. So I have two sisters, uh, older and a younger sister. Um, like I said, a great place to grow up, you know, um, somewhat sheltered if you don't get out. I know people have stayed there and obviously you can only expand your mind um, so much just by staying in a place. And you'll know this from all of the traveling like you're, you're doing, like um, you just get to experience different things. And um, but no, it was it was good. It was cool. Chicago, we were close by Chicago as well, too. Chicago is a great city, amazing city. I went to university. I was at Northwestern for a year. Um, and then I uh, went to a Division II school in Joliet. So I was kind of always around um, the city for my kind of 18-ish to like 22-ish part of my life. Got it. Got it. The, the fun part. The fun part. No, I was going to say, so I, I played, I was a scholarship athlete, so I played basketball. So the experience of being a student is very different to that of actually being a student um, in the sense that you're going to study halls all of the time. You are practicing, obviously, you have games, you're traveling for games, you're still trying to study. So um, uh, I had an opportunity later on to study abroad. Um, and I was like, yeah, great. You know, the first time, like, I'm going to go abroad. I'm older. Like, I, I just want to be a student. I want to go to parties. I just want to, like, not have any curfews. And um, so I went to Dublin, Ireland. This was 2001, actually. So this is before, like, the whole travel movement started. And, you know, people were on Instagram doing selfies of them themselves and, like, front of locations and stuff. And, um, so it was a great time. It was actually right after September the 11th. So I remember that happened, like my flight was delayed. But um, that's where I subsequently met my wife, Sveta. Um, so Sveta is born in Guntur. She's Telugu. Um, she, uh, her parents are both doctors. So they came to the UK like a lot, a lot of people did. And um, they had to do some part of their time in Ireland. 
So her best friend lived in my dormitory and she just happened to be over for like a couple days. And I just met her, met her at my local pub. It was very romantic. The pub's called the Mad Hatter. So that had a little extra twist to it as well, too. And um, yeah, it was, it was good. I had, like I was telling you about where I grew up before, I probably, like I never had an in-depth conversation with an Indian or South Asian person at that point in time in my life, ever. Ever. That's shocking, even because Chicago has quite a bit of South Asians. Uh, yeah, but let's say, for example, I was hanging out in the city. Like it wasn't like we were going, we were at the club and we were hanging out, and I just met like this really cool guy who, you know what I mean? Like right. it didn't, it didn't go down like that, right? Right, or, right. Or even, even in my university, it wasn't just like, um, oh, I just happened to have this random relationship with this um, South Asian girl who sat by me in class, you know. Got it. Got it. So really quick, rewinding a little bit. I just wanted to ask about uh, your your family and growing up, the topic of race, was it discussed in your household? If it was, how was it discussed? And then did your parents care about who you dated or was that not a big deal? Yeah. So in terms of race, um, and this is something that, that we talk about with friends as well, too, is that um, like my father always had this kind of saying to me, which was like, you know, always be on the right side of the police, like, you know, always watch out for the police, which was which was kind of crazy because here's a man who grew up in a um, different part of the world where police can be seen as very unpredictable there. Like when you see them, like when I was like, like, cause we always traveled back to Uganda when I was little. And so like the thing you'd always hate to happen is being stopped by the police because like, you know, they were, har- they saw there were Westerners in the car, you know, someone would have to give them some money, then they'd go away. So, um, so my father was just like, always like, you know, stay on the right side of the police and, you know, just be, be under control and, and all this stuff. But um, apart from that, um, Again, back to Bloom to Normal, it's a, um, I mean, I wouldn't say that there's really, there was really overt racism. You know, people weren't being stupid. If they were racist, they were kind of keeping that to themselves. No, that that was probably it in terms of race. Like, uh, they never really sat me down and, and uh, like, talked to me. I mean, I kind of already knew, I think. And just my father always kind of hammering that home about the police as well, too. Like, right. you just, um, you just saw that, you know. Right, right. And then in terms of like relationships, did did was that a, a topic at, at home or was that kind of whatever? So um, like I and I tell people this as well, too, like I grew up like there was a date like the dating culture is like you're dating. You could have a, a boyfriend or girlfriend when you're 12. Right. You're sixth, seventh grade and you have a boy like you don't know like what's going on. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you just thought you liked somebody. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I, I was there. I just never had, I never, I never could get the boyfriend, but yes, it started like in fifth grade for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so like, um, as I got older and stuff as well too, like, you know, there were, you know, girlfriends and things like that, but, um, never the expectation that, oh, are you going to marry her or, or what's going on? Like, let's have this talk and stuff or let's meet her parents even like that wasn't even a thing either, really, you know? So basically opposite of our family, South Asian families. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Correct. Got it. So there your parents, your parents were cool. That's good. Um, yeah. Okay, so then back to meeting Shweta. By the way, the fact that you guys met in Dublin, Ireland, is like my has been was was my fantasy growing up. Meeting my man in Dublin for some reason. So I really I test, yeah. Why? I don't know. I always just thought I would have your story. I mean, I love my husband, and we met actually at a party party in Bombay. It all worked out. Okay. It was fantastic. But yeah. um, and he's from LA. I'm actually 
from Houston. We were both there for different reasons. Okay. Sounds very swanky regardless. I mean, you guys just happened to be in, you know, in, in Mumbai and just happened to meet at some randomly, you know, oh, we're from the States. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm from LA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what happens in India, and I, I, I want to ask you if you've been, but especially during the uh, December, during Christmas break, is a lot of people from the Indian Americans go there for break, you know, and especially for New Year's and I, I have lived in India twice and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I went back there basically to party and like, I liked a boy there. Who knows? Whatever. I was thinking at 26, 27. Um, and the boy that I liked ditched me for someone else. Amazing. And I ended up meeting my husband and his, uh, through a friend, um, at the Taj Hotel for drinks. Nice. As, as it happens, you know? And so it all, basically it all worked out, but for some reason I've always loved the idea of meeting when I was single, meeting a man in a bar in Dublin. So I love your story. Like that was supposed to be my story, but it's all good. I'm glad you you're like, it. damn it. Damn and it. you just, and you let me get all the way to like the, almost the end part of it. You're like thinking in your head, damn it. He has yeah. my story. Like, no. And then I was like, when he said Mad Hatter, I was like, that's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted, but it's okay. It's yeah. It, again, worked out. It was cool. So, so when you guys met, did you, did she even talk about, the South Asian culture, community, family situation with you and how they would respond. That wasn't, that, that wasn't like an immediate conversation that we had. Like she, it was interesting. Um, she like had a lot of guy friends and stuff like at school, she was studying medicine in Dundee. So like she hung out with some guys, they were cool. I met them and everything like that. Um, but no, we didn't really, like, I don't remember her like sitting me down and being like, this is not in the early stages because in the early stage we had just met. Do you know what I mean? Like I was still studying overseas. Like, sorry, I was still studying back in the States and stuff. I had to go back and finish. I was only there for a semester, which is literally three months. So um, like very early days. No, we didn't have those conversations. Got it. Well, is her and her family's base was based in India still or in the U S no, no, no. They were in the uh, UK. Got it. Got it. So then I guess how long after you started dating, did the actual real conversation start coming up and you thinking, oh, crap, <laughs> like what's going on? Uh, I don't know, maybe like a year or as of being friends and kind of seeing each other on and off for a while. We um, things we, we talked and things like became like official and like serious. I don't know when it would have been, but um, I think time had just probably got on and like she had met my my parents. Um, she came over to the States because my father was in medicine. So she came over and um, like did like a little like month long placement or something with him. And um, so my parents had met her and loved her, but I hadn't met her parents. So I think like naturally, you know, after time and us being in a relationship for a while, it was like, you know, that part kind of came up and uh, like I would have been in the, in or around the culture for a while. So I knew like began to know that like introducing boys and stuff to your parents is not, doesn't happen in the similar way to, to what I would have experienced. Right. Um, so, you know, it's a big deal, right? Yep. It's yep. a big deal. Totally. So, so yeah, so it took lo- a bit longer than, yeah, it, I think that was, if there were any challenges, it was probably me coming to grips with um, not being able to meet them and realizing that it wasn't personal about me. Like it was just the way things were and happened. Right. Got it. And then, of course, I have to ask what happened when you met? What were the hurdles? And then I guess third part of that is how did you guys finally, I don't want to say convince them, but how did they finally start coming to accept everything? I met some uncles 
probably two or three groups of uncles um, who are really cool and cool to this day. Um, and, you know, one of them is uh, Uncle Sam. He is like um, one of the classmates who people like go to for advice and stuff. You know what I mean? Like they respect like what he says and stuff. We, I met him and I think my parents might have been with me and met them as well, too. No, 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 scratch that. I, I met them, right? So it was just about me at that time. So they ultimately um, uh, had a conversation with my now in-laws about, you know, just, just meet him like he's a nice guy and, and stuff like that. So that was, and, and I tell people that all the time as well, too, like finding that advocate, finding that person in the community who can like kind of vouch for you or just speak on your behalf um, is is a great thing to have. Right. And uh, yeah, so then we met when we met them. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, I was prepared at that point in time. I might have been living abroad at that time, point in time again. So, you know, my, my father-in-law, like, bless me, like, you know, asked me like what my intentions were for his daughter, you know? And like, I tell people this as well too, like there's, you only have one answer at that. You should only have one answer at that point in time. Right. Because the woman oftentimes has gone through all of these different types of things to make it happen. You've gone through all of these different types of things to make it happen. Like the last thing you want to do is get to that point and then be like, well, um, you know, we're going to see how things are going. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. The uncle, the, 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 the dad would not appreciate that response for sure. Yeah. Right. No, nah, probably not. Right. Probably not. And so then how did he respond to everything? How did, how did both of them respond to Oh, it's cool. I mean, they just, um, they, um, you know, that first meeting, it was just about, um, kind of, uh, figuring out who I was and kind of also just kind of like, you know, how, how are things going to work? You know, you're living overseas. Are you going to do this? Like, you know, just asking those questions, which are the fair questions to ask. Um, and I think a lot of times when people ask those questions, if you don't have the answers to them, then you haven't thought through it. Right. right. Which means ultimately can mean you're not being serious about it. So um, again, it's a big deal to a lot of people. So um, you should be prepared as a couple when you step into that situation. Well, so, I mean, what I'm gathering from this, it seems like it was relatively smooth with her parents then. And, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I always tell people there was never any threat of like disownment. There was never any of that. I mean, um, Sveta is a very strong-willed woman um, to begin with. So from the age of like, you know, 10, 11, 12, she was already kind of like, kind of, she, she knew what she wanted at times. And like, that she was very headstrong, you know, about it, you know, and I think her kind of parents knew that. And as well, too, like my, um, my in-laws, they're in like a, um, uh, like an intercaste relationship, if you want to call it that, like, so they, they kind of had lived that story themselves as well, too, which I think, which may have played into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I guess you can call it colorism, you know, casteism. I know there's pressure from elders in our community. There's a, there's a bunch of different categories you kind of have to go hurdle over still. Uh, you know, and things are changing, obviously. Um, so good for Shweta for being headstrong because it's definitely in our community can be pretty tough, as you know, uh, by now. And then tell me about the wedding. Did you guys have a big fat Indian wedding? Yeah, we had, um, we had about, 300 people i'd say which is a small okay. indian wedding <laughs> like like how many people how many do you have like well 300 oh that's small what <laughs> um and uh i had family who came over from uganda um and my parents were there sisters were there and um uh some friends from the states as well too so um very like international colorful wedding and um, everyone got on and just, you know, mixed and, you know, the music was great. Food was great and stuff. And everyone just had a really, really good time. 
Did you learn how to do the the Indian moves, the bhangra and all that? Yeah, yeah, I got that. Turning the light bulb and doing all that stuff, you know. I mean, you got you got to do it in the, in the garb and all that. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, okay, the blending project. You know, I've been following you on Instagram and checked out uh, some of your your interviews with BBC, and um, it's fantastic. So, I I think I read somewhere that you actually started this in 2017 and then maybe relaunched it in 2020. Is that correct? Correct, hundred percent correct. Yes. Okay. What was what was the story behind that? Yeah. So um so. I think it kind of starts at the wedding. So at the wedding, um, uh, probably about three or four different sets of aunties were like, we know a couple like you, we know Pete, we know a couple like you. And, you know, uh, thinking about it now, like it just kind of stuck, like stuck with me. And I went probably 10 years without like seeing another couple that looked like us and wasn't outwardly searching for these people or looking for them. But, you know, it was just noticeable that we didn't see any couples that really resembled like us. And um, when I when I started traveling as well, too, I started writing um, as well, too, like journaling. And my sister um, was in PR and stuff like that. So she started teaching me about that whole process. And, you know, I started working on my clips and just different things like that and just expressing myself through writing. So 2017, then we're traveling to India and um I think it was the day before, and um, there was like an Al Jazeera article that popped on my phone, and the Al Jazeera article was about um, street mobs in India uh, attacking African students, and this was uh, Noida, um, New Delhi, 2017, probably Mayish time, something like that. Like, I never, I never had really thought about this anti-blackness um, being a reason for why there aren't as many of our relationships. Like, I, I never thought about that. I never it never crossed my mind really. I was kind of in my own bubble. And that was like the first time that I kind of started thinking about that. I remember I came back, we came back from the trip. Trip was cool. Everything was fine. Uh, like I had seen a couple couples on social media. So like I, I emailed all of them, like asking if they would submit their stories. Um, and I had like 10 stories from around the world and packaged it up like quite crudely and like put it out there. And that was like the first, it like I call it the first iteration of, of what it actually was. Yeah, so that, so that was it. Um, and um, as creatives, it's very much you move on to the next thing. You don't really appreciate what you're working on and um, how important it is to to culture. Let's say how important it is to culture and to just like positive energy and vibes and all this stuff. So I went to, and started doing other stuff. And I remember um, uh, a white guy from BBC contacted me and. Uh, his first question that he asked me was like, have you ever experienced racism in your relationship? And I was just like, if you like, if you're from the culture, like you understand, like that would probably already feature somewhere in the story. But like the fact that they were asking from that angle, like just, it, it wasn't what the project was about. Um, but I think at that point in time, I, um, maybe it was somewhat like validation for me right. that um, there's something special about these stories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, like there's something, yeah, there's something here. And um, so, yeah, I moved on to other stuff. Then beginning of this year, I was do, doing too many different things, trying to um, write a children's book, trying to um, do all these different things. I had, had had an exhibition. I was like, okay, what what makes me feel the best about myself? And what do I feel like has the most impact to the world? And that was Blending Project. And so I just kind of put my head down and um, uh, coronavirus happened then. Uh, George Floyd got murdered. Um, and then Kamala Harris um, uh, was nominated or, or went into the White House. And like this culmination of all of these things just, um, I guess, created this atmosphere for Blending Project. And here we are today. One of my questions or thoughts is like, 
can't think of a more impactful time for this project, you know, like it's, it's definitely impactful at any time, but especially after this past year with the Black Lives Matter and obviously Kamala Harris being a Blindian. So I wanted to ask you when you first started a Blindian project, how many couples were sharing their stories? And then how many, I guess, couples are part of your community now? I wasn't actively like managing it the way that I manage it now. But like, if you're talking about like followers or anything like that, like the beginning of the year, 2020, it was probably sub a thousand. And now it's probably kind of 2022 ish. But yeah, which is, which is enough. It's good. I mean, I wish we were on more, but um, it's a very like engaged, um, it's a very engaged audience, you know? Right. Right. And very supportive, uplift. It's just, it's community. It's what community is about for me, really. And that's, and that's what people need right yeah, nowadays, you know? Exactly. Um, and then is there like one question, one like that you hear over and over again, or one piece of advice that people are asking for? Uh, yeah. So I'd say it was um, a lot of the question is around the introduction to the parents. Right. So yeah, that was being asked a lot. And then I, um, I was sitting there and I was just like, this doesn't exist for us. Like there's no relate like I and I don't know is there like a brown figure relationship expert or do you know where do you get to, where do you go for this relationship stuff or like even I'm thinking about like from a um uh well I'm thinking from like a black standpoint if I think from a black standpoint I'm thinking like uh Paul C. Brunson or something like that. Do you know Paul C. Brunson? I don't know. Okay Paul C. Brunson um uh he's just like a kind of motivational kind of speaker and uh he um not even motivational speaker he, he's a businessman um, but he he did some shows maybe with NBC is about relationships or millionaires dating people th- things like that. But sorry, back to my point. Where do you go for this information? There's nowhere to go. So I was like, okay, all I need to do is just write this stuff down. It's in my head. I know it. I just don't normally just write down that stuff. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay, right. You write the outline. It's like writing a book. You write the headers, and then you just bit of information. So um, uh, later on, then I created like a workshop for that, and that's what the BBC uh, piece was about as well too. Okay. And and I, had, I held these workshops and just told people about the process and how I did it and what I went through. And um, it's really, really interesting. Um, you know, one of the times we had about 50, 60 people on the line from like around the world. Um, there were people who joined from India who weren't even in a blending relationship. They were in like an inter-faith uh, or inter-caste relationship. But I guess obviously they had nowhere to go really. So that's why they were at this in this spot. You wrote it down, but something you never thought about writing down. And I feel like my guess is with a lot of these couples is that they probably in their gut and mind know what they need to say and do. They probably just need like that reassurance and community and just to get a little bit more courage to do it. It's not like they don't know. Right. I think it's more just like okay, let me make sure this is the right way to go. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I see that like, um, uh, are like, you know, DMs, right? Your DMs, like people, some people decide to DM, some people are shy about DMing, some people don't care about DMing. Um, and it's really interesting, some of the DMs that I got, and they, um, they feature in this book that I'm putting out that I'll tell you a little bit about later on. And, um, Sometimes when the people, like I'm thinking about it, like you were talking about writing, even the person writing and sharing their story, like that is therapeutic for them. You know, a lot of people package those like memories and emotions away. And then like, this is the moment to actually 
because and when I talk about the engagement, this is when people are like lifting them up, right? Because you'll see people like even just stop. Just imagine you're just going through your day and like you've read this story, people putting hearts and stuff there, you know, or some people even actually writing out a paragraph like um, just like you said, when I told this story about the about Dublin, you're like, this is me. And that's the same thing. Seriously, that's the same thing that those people are thinking. They're like, that's my story. That's me. I've never seen it before, but that's my story. And so, sorry, my point was um, a lot of times when people DM me, they don't know who's on the other end of that. They don't know if someone's even going to respond. Like they just need to sometimes just write that and just put that out there because they've had that stuck inside them maybe for like years, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's kind of beautiful in a way. It's awesome that there's opportunity to do this, you know? Um, is there any... Is there any particular story or couple that kind of resonated, their story resonated with you at all or any story that sticks out to you? A lot of good story, interesting stories. So this might be a good time to talk about the book, actually, right? So um, self-publishing a book, the book has 10 stories in it, right? And I like to say 10 different flavors because there is like, uh, there's a story, it'll be on like anti-Blackness. There'll be a story about um, Islamophobia. So it'll be talking about conversion, um, and uh, one of the partners being uh, Muslim, right? There is uh, uh, an example of a blending relationship where they're, um, they're, they're deaf, you know? And I think then there's that whole stigma around that in general, and then also within the South Asian culture as well, too, you know? And so it's 10 stories. Um, there's artwork in there as well, too. And um, just it's designed in a really nice way. And this in this in this book, um, there's a section that's in the DMs. Right. So in the DMs is essentially um, things that people have um, DM to me, just random stuff. And we've actually like tied them to the stories. So um, it's really it, I'm really looking forward to, to releasing it. And um, yeah, beautiful stories, beautiful stories. That's fantastic. So first name of the book and then when is it released? Yeah, it's called uh, When We See Ourselves. Okay. Um, and it is uh, scheduled for release uh, end of March. Very exciting. Congrats on yes. that. And I'll definitely write that down on the show notes so people Thank can, you. can be are aware of where and when to get it. And then a few other things I want to talk about, uh, whether it's going on or not. I know you, you said it talked about workshops. Is that still ongoing? Workshops. We haven't done the workshops since the beginning of the year. Um, okay. We we actually did something. Do you know um, South Asians for Black Lives? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we did something with them uh, for Valentine's Day. Okay. Right around Valentine's Day. I think so I saw something. Anti- yeah, yeah, we did this anti-blackness um, workshop, um, which is very sexy for Valentine's Day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was good though. We had about we had about eighty people there and um, uh, people from around the world, and it, and it was good. So. Um, we, we did that, um, have collaboration scheduled with people. Um, it, it looks like potentially things might open up here in the UK in terms of, um, uh, you know, corru- the virus and things like that. And so for me, like Blindian project was always meant to be something you can like touch, taste, feel, you know, like it's an experiential exhibition, you know, um, a bit of like people like they're in the moth doing some storytelling, a bit of artwork, you know, music and food, you know, food right. as well too, because like right. food, just, just things that bring us together as like black and South Asian. Um, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. And just creating, creating spaces for us to like engage and interact with one another. That's what that's what we're doing. I feel like this could be whenever the world opens up again, a traveling exhibit like around the around the world. You are so spot on. 
Thank you. Totally. I can totally see. I'm already, I'm already picturing it. I don't know what I'm picturing, but it makes sense. Thank you for saying that. I, um, so the, the, the main areas are um, London, uh, New York, and Toronto. So that automatically makes sense. Like, like um, London is here an hour away. New York City. I love New York City. Um, I'd love to build. Uh, I'd love to. Yes, love to build with my people over there, um, and then Toronto as well too. Um, but what I really want to do, like towards the end of this traveling thing, like I want to get to. Um, I want to get to India. You know, I want to get to India. I don't know if it's um, Mumbai Soho House or I don't know. I don't know where it is, but I need this to um, to be like front and center, and and I just want it to you know people to feel it there. You know. I have some, and I'm sure you guys do as well. Um, I am happy to connect you with some people there that would be fantastic to work with, and that could help. Let's do that. Let's do that. I love. That. Sorry, I love that. I love that. I said the thing about Dublin, which is really weird because I did not want to go to Dublin. I wanted to go to um, to Italy, but it fell through, and I had to go to Dublin. So I love the fact that you said that bit, and then um, I love this little bit that we've had here um, as yeah. well too. Yeah, look, I uh, it's all and and you know I'm I'm 45 minutes away from New York City and and I have people there too. So always I love I, connecting and helping, ma'am. Like I'm always I'm happy to to do. I'm, again, I'm sure you have your your network, but you know. No, no, no. It's always it's always it's always helpful, right? And I always feel like um, when you extend yourself and put good out in the world, like that's what you get back, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, I took you away on your birthday, so I owe you something. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! You better hook it up, Mumbai. You better hook it up. I will. I will meet you in Mumbai, my Yeah. Friend. Okay. We, we will have. We will meet there and and make it a trip. All right. It's one of my favorite cities still. Is it? Um, yeah. You know, I, I besides my family, my parents are from there, and I, I've gone back quite a bit. I li- I I've lived in India twice. Once. Okay. Uh, in between, I went to UT Austin, and then I worked at Enron right afterwards, which didn't work out. So in between Enron and law school, I lived in Bombay for about a year on my own. Um, I was trying to become okay. like a radio jockey. I was a backup Bollywood dancer. I don't even know what I was doing. I have no idea. Um, were you? Yeah. You were just living life, right? Living you, were life. Just, yeah. you were just experiencing life. All the all this this creative juices, these creative juices were coming out that I wasn't able to experience because I did grow up in the very strict South Asian, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or, you know, nothing, you know, basically that was it. Um, and since I failed organic chem, it pretty much ended up being law school. So, um, really, is that how it worked out? Yeah. I mean, I think I took it, got a C and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make this. We're good. Good to go. Um, but I did actually love law school. So it, practicing law is a different thing, but, um, but yes, point, Coming back to the it's point. It's funny how it happens, right? Sorry, go on. You tell me. Coming you back to the me. point, I would love to help you out uh, in Bombay, New York, Toronto. I don't know too many people, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you're good there. But yeah, traveling exhibit, make it happen. I think it would be. I think it would explode. Yeah, I think so too. I think it'd be. I think it'd be a. It'd be a great event. You know, like it would have its serious bit, which would be like the. Um, like it'd be like panel discussions and just just conversations that need to happen. I think. Right. Um, and you know, like. Um, uh, with uh, 
um, with the communities together, right? It's not just it's not just South Asian, it's not just black, but like with the communities together. And then like um, the nighttime when the DJs come on, you know, it's like this is like wedding vibes, right? You know, when you're at the weddings and you're just like, damn, like they're playing all this music, this is great. You're just like, what? And like people are like out there on the floor, you're just like, and just having a good time, and just you know, people want to get outside again, don't we? I think we want to feel human again a little bit. And I feel like dancing is a big part of that. So 100%. At least for me. I mean, I'll break it down for sure. No, I, no, no, I will too. Um, it will be one of the, it will be one of those 5 a.m. kind of 6 a.m. nights where the birds are chirping. Right. Oh God. Haven't had those in a long time. Yeah. But I, I will tell you, Jonah, I'm pretty good. So you might want to practice. All right. Just letting you know. All right. Just letting you know. All right. I have, I have, a, few, I have a few trophies the, under my belt. The duel is on. The duel is yes. totally on. <laughs> So actually, do you guys have any kids? I, I never, I didn't ask. We you. do. Yes. So, um, uh, son is na- son is named Johnny. He's four years old. Isla Isla is seven. So, um, yeah, we got two of them. Isla. Isla. Okay, and then son's name is a Johnny. A Johnny. Love the name. Yeah. that's fantastic. Thank you. And then, I mean, do you have to explain anything to them about the the mixed races? Do they ask anything about it? They're really, really cool. Like I was the other day, um, it was, um, it was Diwali and like they were, you know, you know, <laughs> the candle and stuff, you know, and obviously like he's a, he's a boy, like he loves fire and stuff. Like when he's seen fire, he's just like, what is that? And um, so like they're doing their little like namaste stuff, like, you know, and like, but they're like saying to me, like, you know, no, that's God, you know, like they're like, that's God. And then like, um, uh, but then they go to like a, a Christian school. So, you know, and they'll tell me like when they hear that story, like, um, is God alive? You know, um, so it's really cool that they they're not constrained by this concept of, no, that's the that's the real God. And no, they, they're praying to fake gods. And you know what I mean? It's just like they know there's a God. They know they're learning about faith. That's cool. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about being a good person, right? And so, hundred percent. Yeah, and I and I know with the South Asian community, um, a lot of families are very religious. Uh, I don't know how Shweta's family is. I know mine is. So I know that's a whole another layer added on. It's cool. It's cool. They're not super religious. I mean, we'll go to the we'll go to the temple for you know Diwali and a few like festivals and things like that. But um, apart from that. Um, uh, and we've we they've gone back to Uganda and they've been back to India as well too. So, like sometimes they'll be like, "Am I half Indian?" Am I, you know what I mean? And they'll be like, "Why? Why is mommy white?" I'll be like, "Mommy's not white. What are you talking about? She's brown." <laughs> That's so funny. My two daughters are like, they're like, "Yeah, we're white." I'm like, yeah. "I don't understand." I mean, <laughs> I guess it's kind of cool you don't see color, but what? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. have you not heard anything we've said in the past couple of years? But you know what? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. No, don't worry about it. Just be, just be good kids. And then, is there any other projects that you want to talk about? Another book uh, is coming out, um, and then anything else with Blending Project or anything that you're doing in particular? Yeah, just say, just creating creating spaces for for our communities. Is there a way that people can support you guys? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, um, you could you can d you can DM me. Um, to get in, get in touch, you can. Uh, there's our link tree in the um, uh, on IG, which has links to, um, you know, Patreon and different things like that. Or you can go direct to our to our website, where 
um, you could do the exact same thing. So, um, you know, if uh, the the main thing I'd say, if there's somebody that, you know, um, friend that you have or somebody, you know, who's been felt really isolated by, um, you know, something they may have experienced, like, you know, send them over. Got it. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So last couple minutes, I just do this really super quick fun round with my guests. A couple questions. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. What is your latest Netflix binge? Hmm. I'm not a big Netflix man. Or Prime or whatever. Whatever. What's your latest binge? My latest binge. So I, um, I have um, been going on these kind of YouTube rabbit holes. Uh Um, And so I've been watching a lot of basketball because I used to uh, play basketball. So a lot of just highlights of, um, you know, uh, old school players and I'm watching like these old Kung Fu Fu movies and stuff that I used to watch when I was like, kind of like eight or nine. That's awesome. Is this what you do like after the kids are asleep? This is what I do when I'm trying not to do work. Yeah. Um, who's your, who's the best, who's the best basketball player of all time? All time. Uh, I really liked Kobe. I was a very big Kobe fan. Let's go with Kobe for now. At some point, uh, Jonah, I'm going to have to tell you my, uh, Michael Jordan story. Tell me, I'll tell you my Michael Jordan story. Oh, I want to hear yours first. Go. Okay. So I, um, like I said, I played college basketball. Um, and so Michael Jordan has this camp. Um, he has an Elmhurst college and, um, my basketball coach was one of the coaches. So they were linked to it. So we got to work the camp and, um, as part of working the camp, you got to play. Um, he did like played pickup games, like some, some nights and stuff. And, um, the end of the camp, like we got to play with him and stuff. Like he always plays like that the last day of camp. So, um, yeah, I got to play basketball with, um, with, with MJ and, and I was actually in the movie. Yeah. Pretty, I would be peeing in my, that's pretty amazing. Sorry. I was, just, I was about to say peeing in my camp. <laughs> yeah, it was but, cool. You know. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I know. Mine I know. is not. Mine was a little bit more rugged or ghetto than that. I don't even know what the word is. You saw him, or you you ran into a restaurant. <laughs> You're getting there, but it gets a little bit crazier. Go on, go on, tell me. I used to bartend uh, when I was in law school in Chicago at Lucky Strike when I just opened. I went. I lived in Chicago '03 to '06. Okay, where did you live? Um, on Ohio McClurg in downtown. I went to DePa- I went to DePaul University for law school. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I went, uh, it was, it was one of the, it was the end of a semester finals were over. I went to a party. It was a, it was a Indian party, whatever. Um, okay. And I had, I, I had known, I know, I knew the bartenders that had worked at this bar that we were at. So that's very important to know in this story. Long story short, that's actually a very long story. So I'm going to try to explain it. <laughs> We are all, we're all in the basement dancing. Of this I, bar. Like I mentioned to you. The basement of, of this bar. bar. Okay. Everyone's dancing. Yes. Right. It's like a one thirty. It's a one thirty ish You know, things are starting to shut down. I, um, I don't want to say I'm a break dancer. I had three break dance moves that I could do and I would call myself a break dancer and it was good enough because I'm a girl. So like everyone's like, oh yeah, fine. So I was doing one of, one of the three moves on the ground. I had a backpack on. I had just come from finals. I looked like, like the, I had glasses, whatever. I wasn't dressed up. Um, around, you know, they're telling us they're, I, I remember people, and I of course was not sober. I remember people were saying, okay, they're t- kicking this out. It's time to go. And a bunch of 
like really tall dudes with suits started walking uh-huh. by like, and like they were tall suits. You could tell they're like a handsome yeah. big men. And the last guy that passed me by, I was on the ground. <laughs> right. And so I slapped him kind of like in between his ass and his oh. thigh, like right below yeah. his ass. And so my best friend who was a white adore, he picked me up by my ear and was like, you just slap Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> And so then I was like, there's no way you're making this shit up. That's not true. Whatever. So they kick us all. They're kicking us all out. And I find out that Michael Jordan and his frat brothers are having a reunion. And they're they're, they're just at the bar for an after private. Gotcha. And so I, I beg the bartenders there to let me just stay behind the bar for like, like a little bit, just to like, see him from a yeah. distance. It's like a kind of a version of God. Like you have to see yeah. the guy. And so my, my friends are like, we'll let you stay. Don't talk. Don't move. Don't do anything dumb. You and your friend can stay for like 10 minutes and, and just kind of like see him. And then you got to go. I don't know how I was, of course, again, not sober. So I convinced the, the bouncer who I also knew, I was like, can I just peek into the room? Just peek in just to see the guy. And then I'll be, I'll be, my life is complete. Peeked in. It was Jordan, his frat brothers, and like twenty blonde chicks. I assume they weren't. <laughs> I assume. I assume they weren't friends. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And so then Jordan's like, I don't know, maybe five, four or five feet away. He looks at the door and the bouncer and me, and he kind of like goes yeah. like this. Yeah. Like that. So the bouncer's like, Yeah, you got to get out of here. And I was like, I don't. I don't care. He looked at me. This is amazing. Yeah. So I'm outside. I'm, I'm like, Jordan looked at me and he hates me, but I don't care. I'm so excited. This is amazing. Some of his frat brothers come out. They're dr- they're drunk. They're just talking yeah. to us. They're really friendly guys, whatever. And I was like, yeah, Jordan looked at me and kicked me out. And they're like high-fiving me. And then a couple minutes later, I get like this, like a tap at the back of my head. And it's Jordan. And he goes, that's for downstairs. Oh, for smacking on and everyone was like, oh, shit. It was, everyone was going crazy. And then his frat brothers were like, you know what? Why don't you and your friend come next door? We're going to continue the party yeah. there. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't like I was like, I had like this nice outfit yeah. on or I looked hot, yeah. you know, like and I was with a guy and they had enough chicks. And so I was like, huh? And so we were like, is this going to really happen? We walked next door, assumed they wouldn't let us in. One of his frat brothers came out to get us, brought us in. This was like at 2.33. From 3 to like sunrise, it was Jordan, his 20 frat brothers, a lot of blonde chicks, and then me and my Indian friend, guy guy friend, partying together. It was so random. I mean, we didn't really talk to Jordan. He was kind of busy. But we partied with his frat brothers. Uh, Jordan gave us a cigar to smoke. So we smoked like a cigar. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then at the end of the night or in the morning around five-ish, he uh, he was leaving and he comes up to us and he's like, did you guys have a good time? And we're like, in our minds, we're like, this was the best night of our lives ever. <laughs> oh, that's awesome though. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? And then we walked home like in shock. Random though, random stories are the random stories are the yeah, best stories. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know what? I gotta say that's the one thing I'm I'm proud of in my life. I've you know zoomed around quite a bit and just I've always you know like improv. You know how they say yes and when you're doing improv, you have to say yes and to keep going. Mm. That's kind of how I view mm. my life. I've always been a yes and person. Like yeah, and let's do this too. You know, and so anyways, 
That's my sorry. That's my that's a shortened version. I think there's a little more detail in there. But. Yeah, I'm sure there probably is a little bit more. But but anyway, so Netflix binge, uh, YouTube. Sorry. Uh, second quick question: What is your jam? What is your song? Ah, this is not quick. It's okay. Or one of your songs. One of my songs. Um, or maybe you, you and your wife's song. Your Shweta song. One of our songs is, um, we have this really corny song. It's a um, Nelly song with Kelly um, Rowland. Um, do you know what song I'm talking about? I love you. Let me find the name of it. No matter what you do. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> all I think about is you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Sorry, I was trying to get you sing the whole time, but um, yeah, we finally got karaoke that. is definitely not my strength, so <laughs> it's all right. Relax. I know, it's okay. I know, I know, I know. Don't worry, I'm not shy. I'll, uh, I'm 40 now. It's fine. I'm, I've accepted Congrats. who I am. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Um, and then last question: What is your biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve: saying that I can't. You saying you can't. Any yeah, anybody anybody saying I can't like when when our kids say it in the house, like I have this thing where I'm telling them like don't ever say that you you know you can't do something. That's great. I love it. Congrats, Jonah, on an amazing project. I know I forced you here today, but no, you didn't. Don't worry. Very excited to uh, see what happens. Check out the book. I will. Um... Man, I really hope the Blending Project becomes a traveling exhibition. How cool would that be? I would definitely go. Guys, please follow them. On Instagram, it's Blindian Project, B-L-I-N-D-I-A-N Project. And then their website is blindian-project.com. Go support. They are doing some important work. As always, you can follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast please go check out my website. Write me like a little note. Make me feel, you know, like you love me. Tuckeredoutwithummy.com. Lots of cool interviews coming up this month. I am doing a live event this Friday with Product of Culture. So check it out. And that's it. Thank you for your support. Love you guys. This is Tuckered Out. <laughs>